0: a lot of people here today. Good to see you guys. Got a lot of visitors, so if it's your first time to Redstone, we we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. We hope that you come back. Um, I'm getting ready to get us started, but before we do so, um, I want to pray again. Pray that our hearts that come into a Sunday morning just frazzled as we're contemplating all that took place last week, and it's going to take place next week, and what our bank account's are, and blah, 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 blah. We show up on Sunday mornings and all that stuff's just beating around in our heads. And let's just pray that the Lord would take that away, would remove it, open up our hearts, open up our minds, and help us to be able to receive what he has for us this morning. Pray with me, if you will. Lord, we're here for no other reason than to worship you. Lord, in in learning from you, we worship you. As we understand what you've done for us, Lord, we are, we are compelled to respond to that. Once we see this revelation of what you have done and how you've given yourself for us, Lord, it must impact our lives. Lord, today is going to feel a little bit different, and you know that, and you and I have talked about this all week long. And Lord, I pray that that we would walk out of here today contemplating and thinking about whether you are truly the main thing that we are seeking after in our walk as Christians. Lord, may we be feeding on you and nothing else and no one else. Lord, just reveal things that we need to see today. Lord, we do pray that you would remove distractions, and I pray, God, that every word that I would speak that just somehow comes from the flesh that it would just quickly fall to the ground and only that which is of you would remain in christ's name we pray amen all right so today i'm going to try to stick with my notes as much as possible today because i got a lot of words um it's, it's one of those those sundays and today's going to feel a little bit more personal than maybe a normal teaching would be. So we're expository, you know, preaching, you know, people. We love taking a book and walking through it, kind of verse by verse and section by section. We've done a lot of that. This series we're getting ready to jump into is that a little bit, but not completely. So you've heard me say this. We're taking the book of Luke, and we're going to walk through Luke. And we're not going to look at every instance in which food and drink are mentioned, but we're looking at a lot of them. And we're going to, to just read them. And to see what's happening here and, and see if we can understand what was the, the lesson for us, but it's really kind of focusing on food and drink. So that's where we're going, okay? And I'll walk you through that. Um, but have you ever, like, you know, um, started you know, to read a book and you get, you know, open up the book and there's a preface that's there, and then there's an introduction, and then there's chapter one. And oftentimes, we're like, oh, just skip the preface, skip the introduction. Yeah, that's just a lot of words. I want to get right into the meat of things. Well, we're not going to do that. So today, I would call today a preface. Sometimes that's written by someone other than the author, and sometimes it's written by the author himself. But the preface is a little bit more personal. It's saying, hey, here's what this book is getting ready to say. This is how this impacts me. This is how this topic impacts me personally. So there's a little bit that's unfolded there to kind of whet your appetite. Or if it's a video series, it's the same thing. A guy or a girl comes on and says, hey, you're getting ready to watch this video series, and and this is why this is an important topic. That's what today is going to feel like. So here's a preface. A preface is often sometimes written by someone else, although it can come from the author, and it tells the readers how and why the book or video series came into being often through personal lenses. However, an introduction introduces the readers to the main topics of the manuscript and prepares readers for what they can expect. Today's a preface, next week is an introduction. Okay, so our sermon series, I am not on, now I am on. Our sermon series is the realia, there's a word I bet you didn't use this week in any sentence, the realia of food, did you? Food and drink. Okay, realia. What in the world does that word even mean? Objects, materials from everyday life that are used as teaching aids. Real-life objects that enable us to make connection to our lives as they give understanding to concepts and to ideas. So going back to the food and drink, so what we're hoping is that as we walk through and we look at food and drink, that we can see how instrumental food and drink were to the Lord in teaching truths in making himself known and connecting people and so forth. And hopefully, not only do we see these things and say, oh, look what Jesus did, look how he used the breaking of bread or the feeding of fish or whatever, but we can say, huh, I wonder what the application is for us and I wonder how we can do likewise and implementing some of these realia, these instruments, these tools for teaching. So as a, a preface to this, this topic, I said that this was going to be a little bit more personal. I'll start off just by saying this. Man, this has been a heck of a past six to seven months. You know, I'm, I'm you know, you usually don't whine and complain to, to too many people, except for my wife and my daughter, and I whine and complain to them like all of the time but i told the i told the elders we were talking like a couple of weeks ago we had an elder meeting and we just were like we got a lot of stuff on our agenda let's not do any of it okay let's just focus in on where are our hearts where do we need to pray for one another and that's what we did and one of the things that came out of that discussion was i told them i said i've had three surgeries in the past 7 months you know that sound, doesn't sound like a lot i've been to duke twice so i feel like that i've been going getting ready to go to a surgery having a surgery or recovering from a surgery like over and over and over. And so there's this, this feeling of just being behind. I don't have a sling today. See this? This is a good day, right? Woo-hoo! So I'm six weeks in, but that pain that's still there, like even tonight, you know, last night's a good example. my wife's like, are you okay? You groaned all night long. And I'm like, no, I didn't sleep. That's just a, a common theme, and it's just been like that for a long time. So when you've got these, these series that you're in, the, or these seasons that you're in, sometimes you know, they, they can put you in what I would call a rut. And I told the elders, I'm like, man, I'm trying to keep up, but I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. And then this past week, some of you all are going to laugh when you hear this, but my phone died, like it died, died. My screen broke. Can can you imagine those of you that walk with me closely? Me without a phone for three days. Can I say hell? It was hell. I mean it really was bad. It was, it was so bad. It's like my daughter's like, it's okay, Dad. It's okay. You can still live without a phone. You know, it was it was really bad. So I've been sensing, and it's not just, oh, it's been a season, and you know, oh my gosh, there's been a lot going on physically. It's deeper than that. I was telling you know, the elders, and I've told other people that are close to me, that there was this sensing that there was something deeper that was happening there. There was a stirring, and I couldn't figure it out. So was I forced to slow down? Yes. Was that a good thing? I don't know. Probably so. But there was like this deep thing that was happening in my heart that I could just sense that the Lord was trying to show me something. He still is. I don't know exactly what that is, but I'm beginning to see some of that, and you're going to hear some of those stirrings as we walk through this this preface of what the realia um, should be for us. Okay, so we're going to look at two passages today. The first one is going to be in John 4, just two verses. Okay, this is going to be our kind of our preface before the introduction. Um, so if you've got your Bible, you can turn to John 4, but if not, I'll go ahead and put the passage up here that we're going to focus on. This is John 4, 34, and this is when Jesus is on his way to Galilee, and it says that he had to go through Samaria, and if you'll remember, he goes to the well, and they go in, his disciples leave, and they go into the town to buy food, and Jesus is like, no, I'm going to stay here. He reveals himself to the Samaritan woman. You remember the story? Okay, if you don't, go back and read it. And then the disciples come back, and they've gone to Chick-fil-A and Arby's, and they've got food, and and they're like, we've got food. And he says to them, you know, I've already had food. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You know, Jesus has a way of of doing that. And they're like, "Well, what are you talking about? We're talking about Chick-fil-A, and you're talking about something else. You know, Jesus was filled and satisfied with something other than and greater than food itself. And we love food. I mean, a good example of that would be last Saturday night, we had had a baby shower, my wife had had a baby shower for uh, my daughter. And there was donuts galore. And we had a 1,000 donuts in our home. And I was like, we are going to dispose of these donuts. We are not going to keep them here. I am going to take them to church. So she puts them on a big platter, and I carry a platter in, and I put them back there with the coffee, You all ate them all, just like that. It was fascinating to see how many donuts could be consumed in 15 minutes. But it happened. So it's hard to imagine that we could love anything more than food. I mean, we think about it a lot. We plan our lives around food. And Jesus is saying, I found something better than a meal. My food is obedience to the Father, doing his will, finishing the work that he's called me to. So likewise, and this is what we're going for. When we truly feed on the bread of life, we can, look at this, we can, we can feed on him. Our sustenance, that's a word that's hard to say, comes from following Jesus and doing his will. Our nourishment, we will find out, comes from following Jesus and doing his will. Our energy comes from following Jesus and doing his will. He's the only one only thing that can truly satisfy us. Jesus gives a teaching that you can look at in John 6, where he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and people heard it, and they just scattered, and it offended them. And he looks at the disciples. He's like, are you guys going to leave too? And they're like, where are we going to go? You've got the, the words of life. And what he was saying is, and he went on to say this at the end of that chapter, he says, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Amen. That's what we're, we're talking about. That's what Jesus is saying here, that his food, the sustenance, nourishment, and energy comes from obeying and pleasing the Father. And this morning, I'd like for us to consider that our sustenance and nourishment and our energy will only come from following the Lord as well or from feeding on the bread of life. And how do we feed on this bread of life? Well, first off, we feed on it by believing the gospel, by understanding and believing the, the, the true message of the gospel in its totality, which I'll jump into in a moment. And the second one is by living on gospel mission, or by living a true gospel-centered life. And that's where I hope that this sermon series takes us. Because we say that we believe the gospel, and Jesus says, if you believe the gospel, then go make disciples. You can't say that you love me and not obey my commands, 1 John tells us, and John says a lot of people are going to come and say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you. But we did these things in your name, and he's going to say, I never knew you. There's a, there's a cor- correlation that exists. It's, it's one coin with two sides, and on one side it says belief in the gospel, and the other it says obedience. And the way that we go about living out the things that we say we, we believe, it's critical, and I think that this sermon series help us with that but we say gospel-centered gospel-centered we talk about that a lot in this church and I don't think that we've done a very good job of explaining that and I don't think that I'm going to be able to unpack that clearly this morning but I'm going to attempt just a little bit because if we don't understand the difference between gospel-believing and gospel-centered then some of what I'm going to say is not going to make any sense okay so gospel-believing versus gospel-centered, what's the difference and why does it matter? Every church that would call themselves a Christian church would be a gospel-believing church. They exist because Jesus died on the cross and we're here to you know, be a part of his church and live out his mission. A gospel-centered church is different, okay? And it, it, it's different because it always goes back to our heart struggles when there's conflict when there's a struggle with submission to authority, when there's a struggle with my own personal identity or my need to be on Facebook or Instagram or whatever all of the time, there's a struggle in trying to please people, a desire for notoriety, wealth, recognition, struggles within marriage or whatever, gospel-centeredness causes us to ask, What am I not believing about the gospel and the truths that it contains? And how can I believe the gospel and apply it in this particular situation? Now, it would take a bit to unfold that and look at each one of those situations. But at the end, I may say, Lord, why am I struggling? Why is my heart bothered in this moment just because someone doesn't like the way that I taught or someone doesn't like a decision that I made? And I take that to the Lord, and I walk away saying, okay, I get it. The gospel-centered approach to that says, sometimes I really like pleasing people more than I like pleasing you. You know, it's those kinds of things. A gospel-centeredness would say, I get frustrated when people aren't responding to my Facebook posts or whatever, because my identity is often found in how people think of me or if, if someone insults the way you look and that can just bother you, or if somebody insults anything about you and you just carry that with you and carry your gr- a grudge, gospel-centeredness says, Lord, what's happening in my heart here? Why am I so frustrated with them? The gospel says, forgive in the same manner that you've forgiven, no matter what people have done. And if we believe that, and if we understand what Jesus has done, and we understand that our ident- identity is in Him, and that our calling is so much more than what this world has to offer All of these truths that we can extract from the gospel itself help us to find out what's happening in our heart, and then we can respond to that. I don't know if that makes complete sense or not, but it's usually a heart issue. It's not just, so, you know, when I was at the school, when I was leading the school, kids would do dumb things, right? And the issue when they would have to come, when they had to come and see me, that was a big deal, right? Because there's the principals, and then I was the head of the school. So if you have to go see the head of the school, you've really done something wrong. And I would tell the principals, it's not what they did, because we're going to all do stupid things. It's what was happening in their heart that led to that, and how can we lead them back to the gospel. That's what matters. Does that make sense? So that's what gospel-centeredness is all about. And it's feeding on the bread of life, feeding on the gospel in every situation that we find ourselves in. And every time our heart begins to stray, we are feeding on him. Okay, Let me pause real quick and just say this. Last week, John Kuna came and he spoke, and I appreciated so much what he had to share. Um, His words from Lamentations uh, 22 through 24, they impacted me personally. I don't know if they did you or not, but I walked out of here asking myself this one question, is the Lord truly my portion? Is he my portion, or is there the Lord plus these other things? Because I find that sometimes my heart, it just longs for other things. There are these idols that just find their way into my heart, and sometimes I don't even see it. It's like John wanting to go to Africa. To, you know, and he, His heart's desire really was not obedience to the Father, but it was so he could go out you know, to the bush. And it took a while for the Lord to show him that. And, and that's the way that we are, and I see that in my own heart. John reminded us last week that Jesus' blood is truly sufficient. He also reminded us that because of the gospel, we are at peace with him. And this was his biggest point. We were reminded that our forward progress hinges upon, hear me church, it hinges upon God's love for us and the fact that his mercies are new every morning and not anything that we can do or upon anyone or anything else. God loves us because he chooses to. He has given himself for us. Our identity is in him. Our perfection, if I can use that word, is through Christ. Our holiness, our righteousness is because of what Jesus has done. And wait, we either believe that and receive that, or we say, thank you for that, but now I'm going to contribute to that. And John's saying, we can't contribute to it. What Jesus did was enough. What great reminders. That is gospel-centered teaching and preaching. So as a strategy for helping us to learn what gospel-centered living looks like, at Redstone Church Elizabeth and the elders are fighting for something that we call simple church. We use that term a lot too. Likewise, I don't think that we've done a good job of breaking that down and helping our church to fully understand what that means. And if I'm honest, I would say that sometimes we're trying to figure it out ourselves. Okay, But again, I'm going to attempt to give you an example of what we mean by that. It's not in more programs or pristine Sunday mornings or a facility or a perfect community group's Um, system that doesn't have any flaws in it or a women's ministry or men's ministry that uh, successfully ministers to every single person that walks through the doors or elders that don't make mistakes or whatever. Simple church is not looking for perfection elsewhere. It's not looking for satisfaction elsewhere. Simple church is a commitment to focus in on the main thing, that of seeing that Each person knows Jesus, walks with Jesus, follows Jesus, worships Jesus, and obeys Jesus. Simple Church makes it a goal to fix our eyes on Jesus alone for our food, our sustenance, our nourishment, finding our energy in Him and not finding it within the structure of the church or the programs that a church can provide or contain and for some of us that's really really hard because we've grown up that church should look a certain way and these traditions have found their way into our hearts and when we don't at redstone meet those expectations it can be really frustrating i get that that doesn't mean we can shoot from the hip and do whatever we want but it does mean that we're still fighting for at the end of the day do you love jesus Are you following Jesus? Are you worshiping Jesus? We do need to do better over here. But if your joy and love and peace and gentleness, all of these fruits of the Spirit, which I'll mention again later, are somehow being robbed because the church isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, then something's off. Something's off in our heart. Gospel-centeredness would say, Why have I lost all of the fruits of the Spirit just because I'm frustrated with these things I think this church should be doing and it's not doing? So Simple Church is trying to focus in on the one thing, which is, broken down, do we love Him? Are we following Him? Are we believing and applying gospel truths in all areas of our lives? Do we love those that He loves? And are we on mission? Does that make sense? I mean, there's a lot that can be done, and as the church continues to grow, we'll have all kinds of you know, opportunities to do things for the kingdom, but at the end of the day, those things or those programs, they will not satisfy. The only thing that will satisfy is Jesus himself, and if we're not feeding on him, then we're completely missing it, and we don't want to miss it. We have to be wary of idols And I would even suggest that expecting or looking for the perfect church or teaching program or ministry or whatever it is, that those things can become idols too. And our job as elders is to lift Christ up, to declare his truths based upon what we think that we're seeing and understanding as we study the Word of God but to point you and me back to Christ and for our allegiance to be to Him, to feed on Him, if you will, and nothing else, and no one else. Because nothing else, not a church, a salary, a a perfect spouse or experience or anything else in life, these things that we go running for, they will never satisfy. They won't. It's a lie. We run after them. We, we partake of them. Or we get to them. And then we look back and say, well, that was disappointing. Or I expected the marriage would look different than it does. Or whatever. Because if we're looking for our satisfaction or identity to be in another person, or in a situation, or an experience, or even in a church, we are going to be disappointed. Our food is to do the will of him who sent us and to finish his work. Only when we are feeding on him, only when it's the bread of life that sustains us, only then will we get it. I can't believe we're heading heading into year number four as a church. Spencer, they're having a, a family meeting today in Redstone Johnson City, and he was like, Man, we're just worshiping with you guys, and we're celebrating, you're jumping into your fourth year. And I'm like, wait, what? Our fourth year? We're in our fourth year? That's craziness. And, I, you know, we were talking about this at the elder meeting. But I'm looking back at the first two years versus last year. There's a difference. There's just a difference. And I would say the same thing in talking to other church planting churches. I listed a few. Redstone, Johnson City, Redeemer, Grace, The Forge, and Kingsport. These other pastors that I've talked about, they've all said the same thing. They were like, man, year one and two were so much different than year three. Year three was hard. It was just hard. Here's some of the things that I saw coming out of our church or even in my own heart. Pain, depression, doctrinal differences, leadership frustrations, um, frustration, frustration with, you know, why we make decisions that we do or the way, why we teach a particular thing in a certain way or whatever— struggles with various doctrinal positions that exist within the church from not just the elders but from different people in your community group, struggles with God, struggles with his justice on hell, damnation. For some, the honeymoon has ended and the church is no longer satisfying. And when that happens, people respond in a couple of different ways. Hopefully, the gospel-centeredness in us would lead us back to him and say, Lord, what am I not believing about the gospel? And remind me of these things. But for others, we may find ourselves distancing ourselves from others um, or even just complaining or even leaving, which is an epidemic that we see in the South. Why? Again, I think it's because sometimes— and. And understand, I'm talking to me here, too. Sometimes we're looking for something other than Jesus himself. Sometimes we're looking for something to satisfy us other than just the bread of life. Now, that doesn't mean that the elders can haphazardly shoot from the hip when it comes to teaching or developing discipleship programs or whatever. No. You know, we need to, we need to try our hardest in these areas. But it's only Christ at the end of the day that can truly satisfy. As a side note, I guess I would say that if you're wondering whether the elders will ever let you down, the answer is yes. We will. We have. We're growing and we're learning what it means to lead Christ's church, but we will surely disappoint along the way. We'll make mistakes. I have personally been a fool I do not want to hear an amen here. I have personally been a fool on more than one occasion this year. I've gotten frustrated, been defensive, whined about my health issues. And at times, I have found my own heart longing for something better and something in addition to Christ to provide my sustenance and my nourishment and my energy. And I've seen firsthand how our hearts truly are as calvin said idle factories and he was right i'm also finally coming to terms with the fact that i am incapable of having coffee with everyone who walks through these doors and that has brought tremendous frustration to me because in the first year that was relatively easy and it's not so much now right it sounds like a small thing But it makes me feel like I'm behind or I'm not meeting other people's expectations or whatever. And even though I want to stay on top of regular communications, men's ministry, women's ministry, Camp Redstone, you know, or whatever, this past seven months especially, I just feel like this is my heart. This is the struggle that's there. I feel like, golly, I keep on letting these people down because I haven't been around a lot of times to meet those needs. Those are the struggles that we can have, and those are some of my own personal preface, if you will, struggles. But it's not just me. It's the elders. If you, if you listen to us in a room, we, you can see that there's been real spiritual warfare in our homes, in our lives. We've had to fight for each other. There's been times it's just been hard. And I found myself just just grieved over the struggle that I've seen in my fellow elders. One of which who's not here because he may or may not have gotten COVID for the third time, you know. It's crazy just seeing just the struggle that's been there. But understand this, you will let each other down as well. It's not just the elders. It's not just the church. We're not all the same. We don't think alike. We don't have the same you know, theological understanding or positions. We have different opinions. But we believe that God has established this church, specifically Redstone Church Elizabeth, and for a reason, and that he's given us a particular vision and mission. And we're inviting everyone that's here today to be a, a part of that. And I do believe with all of my heart that this upcoming series is going to help us to understand how to add feet to this thing that we've talked about for a few years. It's almost like when Jesus sent out the 72. He equips them, and he sends them out, and he says, now go, and then they come back and they're like, oh my gosh, they were so excited about the things that they saw. I think that this series, if we really pay attention, it has the ability to do that as well. And yes, we do believe that continuationists and cessationists, those are completely different positions regarding the supernatural spiritual gifts, that they can coexist in the same church and love one another, and that a Calvinist and an Arminian, completely different positions regarding the security of salvation, can do the same. Now, that doesn't mean that the elders are like, we don't care what you believe there. We do care, and we're going to teach a specific position based upon what we see in Scripture. And at some point in time, you know, we have to handle that. And at some point, some people would say, well, I can't be in a church that doesn't agree with me on that. And that's okay. You know, we understand that. But we believe that the gospel is bigger. We believe that we can work through some of those things and that we can, according to Scripture, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And sometimes making every effort is taking a step back and studying a little bit deeper or maybe going to the elders. But how about if the elders respond and say, Here's our position, and here's why. Here's the scriptures. We've sought it. We we get where you're coming from, but we disagree with you on that. What are you going to do then? I mean, at some point in time, gospel-centeredness also says that there's a submission to the elders that needs to take place. It's a deeper conversation for another day, but I'm saying all of these things apply to us. And what I'm saying is the gospel's big enough for all of that. The gospel is great enough for all of that if, and this is the key, and if you're missing this and you're getting stuck on something else that I've said, then you're missing my whole point. If our focus is on following, worshiping, loving, and being obedient to Jesus, the rest of that stuff will take care of itself. Do you hear me, church? It's a little bit of a personal preface, but I'm sensing that as we're jumping into year four, that maybe our expectations are in a different place than they should be, and we need to get back to, do we love Jesus, and are we following Jesus or not? But the point is, we believe that the gospel can help us through all of these other things. So yes, the preface to the next sermon series is a reminder that we are indeed fighting for gospel-centered, simple church with simple meaning that the focus is on growing in our relationship with Christ, period. We will continue to use, I mentioned this earlier, we'll continue to use this this table, and for some people you've not seen the table, come to the starting point, we'll show it to you. But the gospel, this table, it, it, that's what's on top. That's the thing that we're giving away, it's the gospel. And then there's these four legs, there's... Um, worship, community, uh, service, and multiplication. That's the tools that we're using. That's what we're working toward. Because when we look at the table and we see gospel, worship, being in community with other people, using our gifts to serve the kingdom, and ultimately making disciples, that's just Christianity. That's just Christianity. We're not adding anything to Scripture by putting that table together, but we feel like this is the way that we live out Christianity. And how we should proceed takes us to our second passage of the day, and it's this. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And this is our charge to us this morning. It's in your worship guides. There was another one that was in your worship guides uh, earlier, and it was a fill-in-the-blank, and I forgot to mention it to you. So hopefully you got that, and if not, you can get it from me later. But here's the passage. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your, la- your labor is not in vain. Well, how do we do that? How are we to be steadfast, and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord? Well, it starts with believing and being willing to be obedient to the great commission. The great commission that commands, strong word, not suggestion, it commands us to go As you go is what it's saying in the Greek. As you're going, as you're living your life, be sharing, teaching, be obedient in all areas. Applying the gospel as you make disciples. Feed on the bread of life as you go. Make Christ known, but go. It's what we're called to. And 1 Corinthians reminds us how we are to do that Look at those words that are there. Here's the definitions. Steadfast means mer- firmly fixed in place, not subject to change. That's from the Greek word that's used here. Immovable, unyielding, incapable of being moved, always, at all times, on every occasion. And this is where we were talking about gospel centeredness. No matter what situation it is, the gospel centeredness says, How can I apply the gospel in this situation? And abounding to exceed over and above well beyond so the question for me and the question for you is are we steadfast am i are you or not so much so are we immovable what happens when disagreements theological hang-ups you know happen do they get us off course Are we always abounding in His work, or does that come in spurts or in certain areas but not in others? And that's what this next series is meant to do. It's to stir us up, to mobilize us, that we would be on mission, and if we're on mission, we're going to grow together as a body, and we're going to be going and sharing and loving and making Him known to others who do not know Him. Have you heard the story of Matthew Emmons? Emmons, Emmons, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, in the 2004 Olympics. Does anybody know the story? I'll read it to you. It was a mistake that cost Matthew Emmons an Olympic gold medal in 2004. On the track or on track for the gold in the 50-meter three-position rifle final, Emmons was up for his final shot. Listen to this. He was so far ahead of the other competitors that all he had to do was place his bullet anywhere in the inner ring of the target to seal the gold medal. He prepared himself, paused his breathing, took aim. He pulled the trigger. The bullet passed right through the bullseye. However, he was puzzled when the tone indicating a hit did not sound. Matthew then realized that the bullseye he had hit was on the wrong target. He dropped from first place to eighth place. True story. Isn't that crazy? I mean, can you imagine? And I was thinking about that this week as it relates to this personal preface that will lead to an introduction and lead to a new series. For some churches, that's exactly what's happening. And for some individuals... This is exactly what is happening. For many, we believe in God. We believe the gospel, but we're not on true mission. Instead, we find ourselves in a struggle way too often or in conflict with someone else or struggling with authority or identity or always talking about what's lacking in the church or a program or struggling with a particular sin or stronghold. We're letting guilt from past mistakes win the day. And we've forgotten what the target is. We're not feeding on the bread of life. And as we step into year number four, we want you to know what the target is. We want to ensure that at Redstone Elizabethan that we're focused on the right things. What the kingdom target is Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. May feeding on Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, who came and gave Himself for us, may feeding on Him and Him alone, who even declares Himself to be the bread of life, may that alone be our sustenance, nourishment, our energy that he and he alone would be our true kingdom target. And if so, may it be shown in the way that we bear with one another in love and remain on mission inside and outside of these walls, borrowing from 1 Corinthians 15, 58, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's our goal as elders, to fight for that, for each of you, and for ourselves as well. Keeping Christ front and center, knowing Him, loving Him, worshiping Him, and obeying Him. I said that today was a bit of a, a preface, and in lots of ways I think it's, it's maybe even my own personal heart on the matter, and I've had, had to ask for permission from the Lord to be able to share those things with you, because some of it sounds personal. These are the things that I've wrestled with as I've struggled in prayer with the Father over the past couple of weeks. But it's an intentional pause before we step into this sermon series to help you to understand that as we jump into Luke, we're looking at this realia. We're looking at these tools that will help us build relationships for furthering Christ and revealing him to others. Final words, then I'm going to close. These are my thoughts. Here's my heart. In the end, we want you to love Jesus. Period. We want to see the fruits of the Spirit flowing through each of you. We want to see a body in Elizabethan that can meet at the Boys and Girls Club or that can meet in a barn. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because if people love Jesus and if they're on gospel mission, it just doesn't matter where we meet. It's not enough to say that we believe the gospel or that we uphold the integrity of the word of God and that we're fighting for doctrine or whatever else we find ourselves fighting for. If there's not consistent, and I'm borrowing from Galatians here, these aren't my words, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control flowing through us. If these things are lacking in our lives, we cannot blame it on our spouses. We cannot blame it on structures or elders or our boss or our neighbor or our mother-in-law or anyone else. Because these fruits flow through us when we are abiding in the vine and when we are feeding on the bread of life. Every time we abide in the uh, vine, there will be fruit. But when we're not, there will not be. So as we close, a couple questions for each of us to wrestle with. Prayerfully ponder is what I've said. As we consider 1 Corinthians 15-58, is my gospel faith firm? Is my commitment to Christ unyielding? Am I feeding on Him in all areas of my life each day? Am I abounding in my Jesus fellowship, and my commitment to make Him known and to advance his kingdom? But at the end, the one that's not up here that we should each struggle with in our hearts is, do I really love Jesus? Do I really love him? Am I following him, or am I expecting that the church is going to somehow satisfy what should only be satisfied? with my walk with Christ himself? These are real questions. I beg us as a church to struggle well with them. Let's bow. Father, you've heard these words. I said it earlier. May whatever was of me quickly fall to the ground, Lord. But we want to love you. We desire to love you. We do not want to be like the church of Laodicea in Revelation that forsook, that had forgotten her first love. Stir our hearts individually and collectively, Lord, that we might walk out of here and we might walk through this next series truly walking with you and feeding upon you and you alone. Lord, where we've sinned, may we confess well. May we repent well. May we reconcile well. And may we believe the gospel and walk out of here today and be on mission. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Adam.